those who have been here on Friday evenings for Stations of the Cross and Mass know that I sometimes get a bit inspired by uh, praying the Stations of the Cross. And there's something about the artwork in our stations that seems to reveal a bit of God's graciousness and love. One of the things that's evident in walking the Stations of the Cross is to note that of all of the characters who are with Jesus on his road to Calvary, none look him in the eye, except one, his mother. Pilate is looking off into the sky, uninterested in the person of Jesus. He simply wants to wash his hands of him. Simon the Cyrene, staring out into space, angry that he's being forced to carry the cross with this criminal. Veronica looks not into the eyes of Jesus, but into his image in the veil. And over there, the women from Jerusalem who greet Jesus as they greeted so many who were condemned to death to offer hyssop in order to deaden the pain of crucifixion and hasten death. They're not looking at him. They're looking away, past him. The executioners who strip him and nail him to the cross have no interest in the person of Jesus. They're just doing their job. They may have shared a part of his walk with him But save for his mother, no one looked him in the eye. And no one saw themselves reflected in his eyes looking back. Why was the woman from Samaria at the well in the middle of the day, at noon, in the heat of the day? Well, many commentators and many preachers have said this. You've heard it before, to be sure. She was there in the heat of the noonday sun because she knew nobody else would be there. Jesus told her, you have five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. She lived in shame for her sins, and in that shame didn't want anyone to look her in the eyes. In that shame, she did not want to meet the gaze of any other person. And so she avoided that, avoided that encounter and avoided other people. Save for this one itinerant Jewish rabbi who looked her in the eye and said, give me a drink. He was thirsty, but he was thirsty not so much for water as for her faith, for her healing, to bring wholeness out of her brokenness, to restore grace and lead her from her shame. There are so many in our world, perhaps so many in this church today, who refuse to look Jesus in the eye out of shame, guilt, fear that he might ask us to change, the thought that maybe we've made too little of ourselves or fumbled the ball that he's given us, 
Some years ago, I was with Bishop McFadden. He was invited to uh, join a, a meeting of the Harrisburg Atheist Society. Now, he, it was a breakfast meeting, and on the way, he mused whether he might be the one on the breakfast table. Um, but it actually turned out to be a rather cordial meeting. There was a bit of anger, of course, in the questions he was asked, and one of the questions was asked by someone who said, you know, I grew up Catholic, and then I realized there isn't much to faith, and I've moved beyond it now. What do you have to say, Bishop, about the fact that so many people are leaving the Catholic Church? Now, I have to say, as a pastor, one of the things that bothers me the most is when someone comes to me and says, you know, I grew up Catholic, I went to Catholic Church for so many years, and then I met the Lord. Well, just about as many people who joined the Catholic Church say to me, in fact, three people on their way out of Mass last night said, you know, it works the other way. I grew up in this church or that church, and then I discovered Jesus in the Catholic Church. What Bishop, what Bishop McFadden said to that person was, you know, it's hard to leave something you've never been part of. He said there are a lot of people who sit in the pews or sit in the chairs and desks of Catholic schools. There are a lot of people who study Catholic religion and know their prayers, but they're not really part of the church. I went through grade school and high school with a cute girl named Marie. I sat in class with her for 12 years. I actually had a little bit of a crush on her. But accusing me of having left a marriage with her would be untrue, because we were never married. We spent a lot of time together, but we were never married. I even worked with her for a time in a department store. There are lots of people who sit in the seats with Jesus Sunday after Sunday. They might be attracted to him. Like Veronica, they're interested in the image of Jesus. Or like Pilate, they might have heard something about him and they want to hear a little bit more. Or like the women from Jerusalem, they like doing good deeds and the church does good things and so they're part of the church but they've never looked Jesus in the eye. They've never seen themselves reflected back in the pupil of his eye. They've never spent time with him. It's like me with Marie. I never asked her out on a date. I spent many hours sitting with her in the same room. We were never going together. We were never engaged. We were never married how many people do exactly the same thing in churches across the world, not just here? Sit in the room with Jesus and never look him in the eye. Is it out of fear? Is it out of shame? Oh, you should know better than that. Go back to our first reading. The Israelites grumbled to Moses, We're thirsty gave them water from the rock. The place was named Meribah and Massa because that's where the people grumbled against God. The last line of our first reading today, is God really among us or not? 
Oh, people, Moses might have said, open your eyes. Didn't you see the seven plagues? Didn't you see the death he brought about for others that you might live? Didn't you see how miraculously he brought you out of freedom, in, out of slavery, into freedom? Didn't you see the water piled up one side and the other so that you could walk through that into freedom? Didn't you see how the water and the torrent brought, came down upon our enemies? And yet you ask, is God really among us or not? Water from the rock, manna from the desert, quail magically coming into camp. God was with them, but they never saw. Through all the mighty deeds, never saw the person of God. We sit in a pew Sunday after Sunday or some day after day, Here on our altar is the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Here in our tabernacle, that to which we genuflect every time we enter and leave his presence. The word of God powerfully presented to us. And we need only look up to see what this is all about. Are you ashamed of your sins? Great. That's why he did that. Are you afraid that he's going to change your life? You betcha, and it's going to be for the best. Are you afraid to look him in the eye? Because what you'll see with him looking back is the reflection of you and a reflection in the eyes of perfect love. Perfect love. A love that knows the perfect you a love that knows the whole you, a love that knows you restored to perfect innocence, a love that wants to love you into wholeness. There's a second thing to notice in our Stations of the Cross. Well, any Stations of the Cross. We come along and three times we notice that Jesus has fallen. We can spend our meditation on the weight of the cross, the weight of our sins that led him to stumble. We can spend our meditation focusing on the cruelty of the Romans who forced an innocent man unjustly to go through this ignominious torture and death. But I think there's something more important to focus on. The third station. Jesus gets up the first time. The sixth station. Jesus gets up the second time. Jesus gets up the third time. Under the weight and burden that he carries, he stumbles and falls, and he gets up time and time again. And if you and I dare look him in the eye, That's what he'll say to you. Oh, precious and lovely one, you fall, you sin, you fail, you're weak, but get up. I'll walk with you. I'll make you whole. I'll give you strength. I'll give you my life, my healing. I'll give you my mercy, my joy. I'll give you a high destiny in heaven. Why do you think I did this? So that you will never have to take the punishment 
that's due for your sins. I took that punishment for you, even though I was innocent. So get up. Get up from your sins. Get up from your shame. Get up from your weakness, and let's walk together. If you just sit in the same room with Jesus, you'll never get to that moment of looking him in the eye and letting him look back. You'll never see perfect love looking back at you. Part of my job description as pastor it's written down somewhere, I'm sure, is to help each of you get to heaven. And I happen to think for each of you that doesn't make it to heaven, God's going to have a little sit down with me, and we'll talk about it. He'll ask what I could have done better. I can't say this at the 9 o'clock mass. It's a little too crowded, and there are a lot of people there who come in and out a lot of visitors, but I look at this Mass, and I think I pretty much know everyone here. I might get your names wrong, but I do that all the time. But I know everybody here. And I can say this more than know you, I love you. I've been in this parish 10 years. It will be 10 years later this year. Six years as pastor. For the first 28 years of my priesthood, I worked in the bishop's office, and I was just in residence in a parish, and that meant that I was portable. Wherever there was a need, oh, send Bill. So I lived in a parish a year and a half or two years, never really came to know people well. But I've been here almost 10 years. I love you. I love the people of this parish. I want you to look Jesus in the eye because that's perfect love. I love you enough that I can't be a pastor of souls and just let anyone in this church simply sit in the pews and then go home. Look at Jesus. Don't be like the woman at the well, ashamed and afraid. Don't be like any of those on the way of the cross, not interested in him or interested in his image or theology, interested in the good works the church does as a social institution. Look at the person of Jesus. Look him in the eye and see him look back at you. Come to know deeply who he is, how he loves you, how he wants to work in your life. And don't be satisfied with anything less. I love you so much that I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. Not just because I think I'll get a good talking to if you don't get there, but mostly because of what that means and what we look forward to there. Today, take a look at the Stations of the Cross. Today, look into the eyes of Jesus. Today, see yourself reflected in the pupils of his eyes and know that perfect love is looking back at you.
Today, know that that perfect love wants to heal everything that is broken within you, wants to restore everything that keeps you from joy, wants you to be with him in paradise. And so do I. I'll see you in heaven.